You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evening, kids, uh, as we roll on through the week here. Um, guys, you know, I always tell you, I look at the numbers every day. Um, I, I, look, I know the Indians aren't playing right now, but the anticipation, the numbers are up. Everybody's getting a little excited. Can't lie, Pete Smith and I are just as excited for you uh, as for you know what's about to come down here within the next two weeks. And then actually, I think we're one month today away from week one, the Washington Redskins preseason opener. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Just bide your time, guys. Uh, obviously, some good stuff to talk about today. So your local experts on all the biggest stories are going to break it down for you uh, on your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you by Hotels.com. Uh, use Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Get away. Try to make some small memory, large memory of the summer. That is 2019 before you find a way to get parked down for whether it's a Thursday night, a Sunday night, a Monday night, or even later in the season, maybe one of those games get flexed to a Saturday for your 2019 Cleveland Browns season. Pete, we had talked about this a couple of nights ago. There was the good scenario of the way Duke Johnson moving to a new agent could go. There was the really bad scenario. And in this scenario, the good scenario, in this whole thing, the good scenario would have probably taken a little more time because it's not like Duke's anywhere close to having anything done contract-wise. Or the bad scenario, which happened in, I guess, probably less than 48 hours. We've ad nauseum spoken on Drew Rosenhaus and how uh, he's not really somebody that this front office likes to work with. Let's just, I mean, being candid, not many front offices want to work with. Uh, But Duke did kind of drop his own bomb here, and Drew Rosenhaus is now representing the Duke Johnson brand. Right. Um, So I have a theory on this. Uh, Look, I don't like Drew Rosenhaus. I don't like the way he sort of operates. However, snake oil salesman. What 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 I find fascinating is uh, Duke Johnson is actually going to a quieter agent situation that he had before, and that's entirely because of the whole Luther Campbell fiasco. And I think that's probably part of this is Drew Rosenhaus is no longer the, or at, at least has not been that carnival barker guy that he was like a decade or so ago when he was on TV as often as humanly possible with like Willis McGahee and that stuff. Um, the other part of that is, look, uh, Drew Rosenhaus only gets paid if he gets uh, a new contract. So in that, unless, unless Duke has agreed to something else, um, the, essentially he's getting an advocate to try to continue to work on getting him traded uh, without having to really pay for anything. Because unless there's a new contract there, that's, you know, he's not going to have to pay anything and uh, again unless there's a specific you know side thing where like you're basically saying if you get me out that i i'm going to give you this which seems unlikely i don't think it really changes much in terms of the browns and and uh duke situation at all i i think he was going to get traded at a certain point anyway i think that's still the case unless drew rosenhaus is suddenly going to find a way to get a team to offer something that they weren't willing to offer before that makes uh, John Dorsey suddenly decide they want to trade him. Uh, it's not as if hiring Drew Rosenhaus makes this thing go any faster because it doesn't. Um, so in that sense, I get it. Where I would be worried if I, it, it, when it comes to anything Drew Rosenhaus is when you're you are you hire him uh, and you let you let him get too far into control because he's always going to go for the bigger gamble because he's got such a large client list that he's only interested in getting major fees and he's willing to lose uh, for Joe Schmo. If that means that, you know, even if he's hitting it like a 20, 25% hell, even 10% rate that he gets the big contracts because those are ultimately what's going to pay him. So the way I think this can work for Duke Johnson and, and, and the way And I I could be wrong. Duke Johnson is not stupid. Um, Duke Johnson is a very smart guy. And I think he is in control of his situation. So I think as long as he stays in control of his situation, he doesn't end up like a guy like Terrell Pryor, where Terrell Pryor fell for 
the promises of big money that was not there was never going to be there and ended up with money. I think Duke Johnson is smarter than that, was involved enough with his previous agency, will still do that, has less noise because Drew Rosenhaus really doesn't have much support staff. So in that sense, your, your fees are lower. Duke Johnson essentially just wants to take care of himself, which if, if he's that's, – that's on him. Uh, he seems more than capable, but that, that is certainly the, the, a path to choose. But as long as he stays control and doesn't let Drew Rosenhaus go too far, he stays on top of things and basically puts his foot down when he needs to, this could actually work out for him for the best. Again, that does not make me like Drew Rosenhaus anymore, does not make me approve of this move anymore, but at least at that point I can somewhat see it, that you're basically using Drew Rosenhaus for what he does best and staying in control to make sure you're still getting what you ultimately want out of it. And I'm fully prepared to be dead wrong on that, but that is the way I can sort of see it from Duke's side. Um. Well, I mean, you know, when you're in a tough situation as a player and you don't understand where things are going, you go get yourself a shark, and that's where Drew kind of comes in. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, Drew Rosenhaus, and obviously, you know, South Florida ties, all of that. He's not Drew Rosenhaus isn't doing anything charitable. He's not saying I'm just going to help out Duke Johnson here. There's a be all end all. There always is with Drew Rosenhaus. Um, one thing trade-wise, is there a Drew Rosenhaus client that Drew feels somewhere within the league that maybe, hey, would this maybe interest Cleveland where in the back end it would get Duke to a more favorable situation? And maybe, maybe there's something there, but there's, I just don't see them just coming in and Drew saying, hey, yep, I'm repping Duke now, John. Good to see you. Good luck with everything. Um, no, I don't see that. Um, I also do believe, though, that it, you know, like you said, I you know, with Duke being intelligent, I think Duke understands for as long as he was on the market this off season, and where if there was a franchise who truly viewed him as, hey, you're going to be our show at the running back position for the money he's making, and to give up a third round pick, if there was, if that team was out there, I don't think you know with what he's making, that team would have made that deal. So I think Drew, I mean, I think Duke Johnson realizes, you know, I, you know, I'm okay with it. I I know I'm part of, I will be part of a running back stable, but I, you know, I do still think that there's this part inside Duke that you're not going to be able to change is you brought in so many other guys to give the opportunity to before me that, you know, the heart's broken. He's not going to believe what this franchise tells him. There's just no way around that, and I, you know, I do believe that. Um, I, you know, obviously we've talked about this at nauseum. Neither one of us is going to question the fact whether or not he'll be a professional Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and will he show up on Sunday and play the game? He will. But I do believe there is part of him that is, you know, has a fractured relationship with this franchise, not necessarily his teammates. But definitely with this front office, that you know, I, I that exists, and I don't think there's anything Cleveland could do to fix it. Um, all this being said, Pete, where if now Drew goes in there and says, "Look, we want the f out. We don't want to be here anymore. You've disrespected my client now, and look, it's not all your fault because previous you know front office did it. Now you are doing it." Where, where where would be a spot? And, you know, because now, I mean, if Drew Rosenhaus wants to be a pain in the ass and make this difficult for Cleveland and John Dorsey in that front office, we all know he has the capabilities to do this. He does, but, but I don't think that's what Duke wants. Uh, and again, I think this is all dependent on Duke Johnson being in control and basically dictating terms of what he's willing to do. Because I think... Again, if, if Drew Rosenhaus becomes a pain in the ass, then it's going to support the idea that, that Duke is not professional. Uh, it's going to be right back where we were, you know, a month, right. six weeks ago. So, I, you know, I, I'm working under the assumption that, that, Drew, that uh, Duke has basically said to Drew Rosenhaus, look, this is what I want, but look, you're going to go, you can go in there, which largely has been what Rosenhaus has been doing the last several years anyway. Um, he hasn't been 
you know, that loud pain in the ass. Now, do I fully expect a story from Mary Kay Cabot to come out at some point? Yes. Oh, you uh, know, that's be, you know those words are being put to, you know, the fingers are going away right now. But uh, in general, I think for the most part, he's basically saying, look, I want you to be an advocate. I want you to keep pushing for me to get ultimately where we want to go. But I don't want you to do it in a way that's going to come back and I have to answer questions about it, which I think is largely what, as you mentioned, seemed to be a, a big part of why he ultimately switched agents in the first place. So, again, I, I think part of the reason, again, as much as it sounds like it's uh, completely the opposite of how it should work, um, Drew Rosenhaus represents a quieter negotiator in this sense. And, and, and I think part of this, look... I, I think if Drew Rosenhaus doesn't get traction fast, he's going to get bored and move on to other things. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I got plenty of fires to light. If I can't light one here, trust me, I'll find somewhere else to do it. So, you know, in large part, it may ultimately just, rep- you know, he may go in there and sort of say his piece, and then it may largely just be a holding pattern t- until uh, that trade gets done any the way it was going to anyway. Um, and And then at that point, then something happens again. Part of the reason guys hire Drew Rosenhaus is the belief that they aren't paying as much in fees because they don't have all the support staff that comes with it and financial planners and various other people, handlers and that type of thing. Uh, that in, in a large part, this may be Drew Rosenhaus goes in there and, and barks up a storm for a minute, then goes off and, and works with the million other clients he has because he has so many. He's given negotiating contracts for them, and it basically is uh, all quiet on that front for basically the next three months until a move gets made, uh, you know, halfway through the season, if that's still where this thing's going to go. And then maybe at some point something happens. But again, this is sort of the, and this is why Josh Gordon at one point had hired Drew Rosas, because there isn't much money to be paid out initially, uh, and it's all. It's all on dependent on him getting fees negotiated in the contract. So that's part of this is I think it's not going to it's going to be far less involved than I think people when, when they see Drew Rosenhaus's name think it's going to be initially. Uh, you know, there could be, you know, exactly the initial meeting and where John says, look, I, I only have one running back we trust on this roster right now for the first eight games of this season. And then the other thing is, is you know, if we're five and three, six and two, and you know, it, it, there's you know, it, it's it you can't project where this team's going to be when hopefully Kareem Hunt uh, regains his eligibility and is able to join this team. So it's hard to predict where that team will be at that time. But you know, with that being said, it, in the same respect, if it's going to be five and three or six and two, and it's you know there could be a playoff game in Cleveland and. You know, do do you want to leave this because you know ultimately now you know you get prettier the more games you play, and if you make some plays in say January, and look maybe now we're going to move on, and now there's the trade caveat of now you can tell said new team, hey look, you know this guy just had a season where it was seven point six yards per touch, and there's where Drew comes in and you work for a little bit more money, so. It's going to be fascinating how it plays out, Pete. There, there, there is no doubt about that. We'll get to a little bit more of uh, Duke here in a second uh, as Pete uh, gives you some good stuff from the folks over at Blue Chew. Uh, it, look, it continues to be Blue Chew season. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the summer, get some drinks in you, and, and you want to make sure you're, uh, you're full go. And according to sources, uh, you know, Jeff has made good on the wife, and she has moved back in the house, which is certain. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, Bluetooth is involved in that, you know, sort of apology, make up for the uh, the, the blown birthday. The Lloyd uh, princesses are actually headed to a sleep of her in a little bit, so we'll see. So, so long as, you know, it, this is all the more reason for Jeff to have Bluetooth so he doesn't screw up the opportunity or he doesn't want to whiff at this big at bat. Um, <laughs> look, it's... It's it's blue chew like the color blue. Uh, it's the fir- blue chew's the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredient as Viagra. Else, you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, which may be good for Jeff here in a minute. Uh, so you, you, I hope he hasn't taken them already. So you can be ready. 
whenever the opportunity arises. Um, but yeah, look, check out the uh, promo code. Uh, Jeff is here in moments going to be able to give his own testimonial again uh, on the product, which is always a good thing. But it's uh, about making the spouse happy so she can make you happy. Uh, and look, from the married standpoint, and especially when you have preteen children in the house, yeah, I mean, look, uh, you're essentially, you know, uh, Lenny Harris, one of the great all-time major league pinch hitters. Uh, you, know, you don't know when any number is going to be called, but when it is, you want to go up there and essentially pretend you're Mickey freaking Mantle. Uh, use the promo code code capital C capital O capital D capital E. Uh, so uh, you know, obviously, take that. Um, I believe that's uh, you only pay for shipping five dollars. Comes discreet. Nobody else would know if they got the mail. And don't have to go to the doctor. No awkwardness when your name's being called at the drugstore. Go ahead, check out the folks over at Blue Chew. Always appreciate them sponsoring Locked On Browns. So, Pete, how... Now, the turnaround, and and obviously, I, I do believe there's still... I do believe David Ajoku... If I'm not mistaken, is a Drew Rosenhaus client, but uh, and this is one. And Adam Schefter today. Uh, this is actually kind of where I wanted to go with the two. Adam Schefter kind of brought up today, and the way he kind of worded the tweet when Duke went, uh, you know, obviously the Drew, Drew Rosenhaus route. You know, it was, uh, you know, um, it got Emmanuel Agba moved. Uh, you know, got Brashard Perriman out of his contract, and this that's kind of you know I, I hate when they do stuff like this. And, and look, I understand some who are trying to create a storm and need it or whatever. Adam Schefter doesn't need this. Just report the news. Um, <laughs> Olivier Vernon was brought in on March 8th. The Odell Beckham Jr. went down. Uh, deal went down, I believe it was the following Tuesday. Um, Brashard Perriman had to agree to a contract like three hours before the Odell news. Uh, Pete and I, actually, we started to record an episode. The Odell news broke. We tossed it to the trash, and we started over from scratch. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, well, Bashard Perriman's not going to honor the agreement. Uh, okay, well, we just traded for Odell Beckham. That's fine. And, you know, and then Emmanuel Agba was not traded till April 1st. So it was almost a damn full month afterwards. So I, I hate when stuff gets twisted like that. But you do see some belief. And look, I still think Bashard Perriman is wrong, 100%. He still should have stayed here because uh, if I'm hitching my wagon to a star... Uh, I'm going to hitch it to Baker Mayfield, not freaking Jameis Winston. That's for goddamn sure. So, I mean, I hate when they do that, but it does show, the one thing it does say is maybe that this front office is, is you know, Drew is not a guy they normally prefer to get into bed with, so to speak. I think that's true of all 32 teams. I don't think anybody really <laughs> likes and I think, And I, and I think in, in his effectiveness has dropped precipitously. Over the years, look. Oh, because of it, absolutely, no doubt. Well, that that part of it, but like the dudes who get paid aren't getting paid because Drew Rosenhaus. They're getting paid because they're really good. I, like I can't think of a contract where you're going, oh man, Drew Rosenhaus got over on them. Like, well, it, it, I mean, but also, don't you think part of it is though is that Miami is not the pro- program and pumping out the guys? Because I mean, usually it was if you were really good at Miami, you you know Drew got you. And now it's, I mean, it's just not the case. I mean, Miami's not pumping out the first-round talent that they've been known to do for years, which also, you know, makes it easier on these front offices because they don't have to deal with Drew. Um, I mean, I, I, I get it on some level, but, you know, I, I think I think what I'm hoping is that NFL players are getting smarter and, and getting more education on what they should seek in an agent. I know, unfortunately, there's way too much in terms of, you know, the agents get relationship with coaches and coaches sort of, yep. you know, for, which which I think is deplorable on the on the coaching part is then pushing players into an agent. Uh, I think, you know, just give them the information and let them make the smartest decision. I, I'm sure that doesn't, uh, it doesn't, help Rosenhaus that Miami hasn't been good, but I think so much of it is it, 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 most of these people don't know who agents are until they're there. And Drew Rosenhaus, you know, you can't think of anything, he, a big deal Rosenhaus has made. I like when I think Drew Rosenhaus and the last relevant thing he did, it was being on TV with Wes McGahee all those years ago. And that was what, 2000, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's just just not there. You you have it's it's a what have you done for me lately type business, and so much is 
the you know in Rosenhaus is using other players to sort of sell the false promise that they're going to get big big paydays, which they never get. And and I think hopefully that message is there, but still some of these guys fall for it. But again, so much so much depends on it, 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 the players who understand what an agent is, which is they are working for them. Not you are not working for the agent is you have to uh, understand where to put your foot down and, and, and effectively communicate what you really want, as opposed to, you know, getting lulled into the idea that you should let the agent take care of everything, not make any decisions for yourself. And then you end up like Terrell Pryor where you're, you're broke and you're complaining after the fact. And, and, and it, it's not, I, I'm glad he told his story from this standpoint because it does serve as a warning that don't do this. Don't, fall for this crap that you're, you know, be smarter about this. Do some of your own research and understand what's really out there for you as opposed to believing everything you said, to, you know, being told that you're going to get over many million dollars a year and then you end up settling for basically league minimum contracts from there on out. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if Miami suddenly is great again, does Drew Rosenhaus pick up? Maybe, but so many agents have come out of that area that they may be able to move in and 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 capitalize. And a lot of that may be a relationship they develop with coaches on that staff or in that program or other coaches in Florida or whatever. Uh, so much of it's that aspect of it. So if it's whoever's down there, if they can get in there and sort of get those inroads, they may ultimately be successful, which is, you know, sort of that grimy part of the business. But no, I, I look, I think so much of it is uh, that teams have figured out in a much better way how to negotiate contracts and how to sort of play uh, within the salary cap that they have a good sense of what they can do and what they can't do. And very few you know, less teams are making stupid decisions. So it limits the ability of, what a guy like Rosenhaus can do. And there are certain positions that no longer have as much um, negotiating room either. Like unless Rosenhaus lands a big time quarterback, there's only so much he can do. And so much of this takes care of itself. So I, you know, I could be wrong and maybe he, you know, has another sort of, has another sort of life after this where he becomes, big, you know, one of the big, big, big time agents. But you know, you've got Lean Steinberg and various agencies out there that have sort of, Lee Steinberg has obviously come back in a big way. Yes. Uh, and he's, you know, gotten to be a big deal. And there's various firms that have gotten into this and been very good, very effective. And, and I think in large part do, do better by their clients. But so much of this just comes down to what do players really want from their agents and which, which agents offer that. And, and again, I think, Duke, I, I think Duke Johnson is smart enough to know exactly what he's getting from Drew Rosenhaus that he can sort of use it, which I think is largely to get the cheapest cheapest uh, option out there that basically stays out of his business other than negotiating on his behalf when it's supposed to, when you're supposed to negotiate. Other than that, I think he basically just wants him out of it, uh, wants everybody out of his way. Yep. And then, I mean, and you look at, I mean, obviously, you know, the agent uh, world is always an evolving business, and there was um, uh, Nicole Lynn, I, I, I'm hoping that's the correct name, uh, Representative Quinn and Williams got him to a number three overall pick, and, you know, she comes at it at a much, much different approach where it's, you know, more about the client and, you know, tell me what you want and we'll attack it that way. And there's there's always, and, and Pete and I, we talk to a lot of smaller agents, and these guys work 10 times harder than these big time agents. And so there's always that threat of, you know, finding the guy who says, look, man, you're what I got, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to take care of you. You know, yeah, I've got a couple of undrafted free agents, but, you know, you're kind of the bread and butter here. You're the only reason I have these other clients. So th there is that avenue as well. And, you know, getting Drew Rosenhaus phased out of all of this would not be bad for any player or any organization in the NFL. Um, seeing as we're here in disgruntled players and all of that stuff, um, before the Duke news broke today, uh, Melvin Gordon and his agency basically told the Los Angeles Chargers, we, I, I get, you know, because it started with, you know, they wanted a contract extension, then it started with his agents popping off at, we were insulted with the first contract offer, so now it's basically meet our demands or we're going to sit our ass at home. 
And Pete, if that's the case, I hope Melvin Gordon's got a really, really nice couch. I hope he's got a really, really big TV because my dude's going to be there for a while. Um, right. So, look, Melvin Gordon isn't going to get anywhere with this, but he represents what is a larger problem and one that's yep. approaching the NFL in a hurry, which is the issue with running back and money. Um, it's so, just well, before you go, he should be very happy that he was a first-round pick. Because at least he's going to get paid once. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly a big part of it. But uh, running back anymore in terms of salary is really really difficult uh, as a running back. You have to be first. It, it it puts more of an onus on getting out early, uh, out of college early. And, you know that you're 21. 22, you don't want to be, you know, look, it, 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 granted, you, you want to get in the NFL any way you can, but it's tough. If you're, if your first contract, if you're coming into the league as a rookie and you're, you know, basically 24, that's rough. Um, and, and at that point, so much of your earning power is largely going to come from endorsements um, as opposed to salary. Uh, and then you get into that year to year thing, or you're basically taking, you know, like, Again, you look at Duke Johnson's contract, and and I, I understand the issues he has with uh, with with uh, Luther Campbell. But Jesus Christ, Kristen Campbell did him up nice. Yes. Correct. Uh, and and at the time, I thought it was a great deal for the Browns too, and I still do that. Um, but this is something the NFL is going to have to figure out a, a way to deal with. Is again, there, there, there's ways they have to sort seemingly have to almost pay some of these guys outside of salary cap structure and running back may be a position where you have to do that uh, because it, that is going to be an issue. And it, it's, and I don't think the NFL is suddenly going to run out of running backs. It's, you know, there's, if, if anything, the last couple of years of NFL drafts have suggested the opposite, that there's going to be more, but there's gotta be a way to sort of compensate these guys better, or you're going to get all the issue. Isn't going to be that they're not making enough money. It's going to be, Life after football stories that the NFL does not want to get into again, or on, on a more frequent basis, uh, you know, where you have guys who are in just terrible financial uh, distress, have major health health issues, particularly you know brain uh, and those type of things, uh, because you know guys are effectively lying about their health because they want to play because they, they feel like they have to in order to get paid even what they were making initially. Uh, and, and you land into all these bad deals where the NFL just should not want to be back into uh, and hopefully avoid. And that may involve some creative financial workings where, you know, you know, based on production or something that there's some other way to, sort of pay that position so that you're not uh, your superstar running backs aren't effectively leaving the NFL and becoming destitute. Uh, you know, th there are only so many teams willing to pay big money. And even, you know, those are becoming very, very infrequent. Like Le'Veon Bell situation is not normal. That is like, that may be the last one of those. Uh, yeah, like this is a thing that's going to come up with Nick Chubb where you're sitting there going, well, what is this going to look like even if he's great? Uh, so look, Melvin Gordon is, you know, in some ways it's, it's going to be regarded as somewhat of a laugh line because he's not in a good position. And certainly this is not an issue the Chargers want to deal with. But at the same time, like this is a thing that is coming up and coming up quickly where Melvin Gordon's going to be, you know, out of that initial contract and then already, sort of trying to get year-to-year -year decent, you know, a, a, a paycheck uh, by virtue of how easy it is for some of these teams to basically move on, take undrafted free agents or rookies who are paid nothing and just couple up, get a couple of them uh, to to save money on your salary cap. That's, that's brutal uh, because obviously this is a league where running backs used to make big-time money and used to be uh, ma massive, massive stars. Uh, so that is, you know, I don't expect it to come up in the collective bargaining agreement, but that is something the NFL, the NFLPA, these, these are things that are going to have to get dealt with. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I, my fear is it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, no, I, I, I'm so with you there. And prime examples, uh, leading running back for the Cleveland Browns last year, Nick Chubb, his salary for the year was 
probably less than a million dollars as an early second round pick. You know, you know what it feels like uh, because you know, this feels like where baseball is headed. Where now there's these rumbles of a player strike, which by the way I don't buy at all. But basically, not when the, you're making three hundred million. No, but the player's argument is basically: look, it takes us, you know, six and seven years to get out of our sort of yep. rookie stuff and arbitration and all that crap. And then the way analytics have sort of taken this, where they basically figured out that you get to be 30 years old, you're on the downside, that basically the players are going, wait a minute, it took me this long to get out of this, I'm already 28, this was supposed to be the time where I'm supposed to be in Fat City making money until I'm like 36, and all of a sudden that earning, that, that window has shrunk down to like two years, and that's the fear. And it basically, Major League Baseball is like the NFL running back, but across the entire league. Uh, that, and that's going to be an issue that has to get dealt with. So that that's where this is sort of at. It's it's going to be an issue. It's it just is. Then you throw in you know uh, for, for, you know Nick Chubb. Then you throw in Philip Lindsay, leading rusher for the Denver Broncos, was not drafted. Uh, James Conner was uh, I believe was an early day three pick. Uh, stepped in for Le'Veon Bell last year and performed you know pretty goddamn well. Um, there's not for these running backs. There's not going to be enough teams with almost a hundred million dollars in cap space like the New York Jets that can bail these guys out. Um, you know, Le'Veon. I would say maybe Le'Veon is an exception. I don't think Melvin Gordon. And there was that uh, audio piece. I guess Sports Illustrated did it where they kind of followed him for a week or whatever, and he's sitting with his father, and they were talking about Le'Veon Bell, and he's like, "Well, well, I would do that." I, I don't think. I mean. There's no way folks around the league view the talent that Le'Veon Bell was the same way they view the talent that Melvin Gordon is. Uh, look, ride it out, um, Melvin Gordon. You want the best way for you to get paid is to go out there and tear it the freak up. Um, and with the Chargers, and look, I mean, you look at their roster, you look at their defense, which is freaking loaded. Um, and even if Philip Rivers, I mean, you know, we keep saying this, oh, maybe he's almost done, maybe he's not almost done. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, if he's done, that gives them a ton of cap relief. But, you know, you've got pass rushers to resign. Derwin James is eventually going to command one of the most craziest deals if things go right for him at the safety position we've ever seen. And, you know, you have Austin Eckler, who's a nice little back, and he does some really great things from the passing aspect of it, which is kind of the key now for the running back position. We'll find somebody else to do the first and ten grunt work, so to speak, for the running back position. But if you can pop and explode in the passing game, that's a truly special aspect. You know, it sucks for Melvin Gordon, but this is... It's not so much a Melvin Gordon thing. It's, like you said, this is a league thing. Yeah, it's, it's 100%. Look, it, it is... Look, it is based on genuine ingenuity of being smart. That's the problem. It is it is, is a good business decision to not pay a Le'Veon Bell, you know, $10 million because you can get James Conner and Benny Snell and a third guy. Or even, can- even the Browns, though. I mean, because what they're going to trot out once Kareem comes back, it's going to be Kareem making nothing. It's going to be Nick making nothing. And even if Duke stays, I mean, he got paid because he was a franchise that had money and at the time apparently seemed to value this player. But they're still playing, paying three running backs essentially less than $8 million. Right. Rookie contracts are great. Um, and, and unless you take Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, fourth overall, where he's, I think he's like top three in running back contracts already uh, by virtue of where he was draft, his draft slot. And most it, likely his first contract will be higher than his second. Yes, uh, well, based on based on everything that we've learned about this, that is 100% the way this is going. But, you know, Nick Chubb, who's picked 35th overall, has an outstanding contract for what he's producing. Sure. Like, it's just crazy. And granted, that's the same for if they took Harold Landry uh, at 35th pick overall, and he's producing like a stud. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. The issue is that, obviously, running back has a notoriously short lifespan and then again the ins you are because it's easier to find running backs you are te- you tend to be much, where, where pass rushers are very difficult to find uh, you are much better off letting a guy walk and then basically taking another second round pick who's going to be back on a cheap deal this is sort of the again it's smart business it's ingenuity it's like understanding how the game works better 
and, and using a lot of data, data analysis and those things and doing better job scouting that you can figure out how to do these things. But there is a cost to this. And obviously that human cost is these backs who were right and then aren't getting paid anything, getting paid nearly what they are worth relative to what they, they are doing. And again, I, I think much with my issue with quarterback contracts and, and their, their ridiculous weight in terms of what they do to teams, the way we want great quarterbacks not to suddenly ruin their teams, we want you know great quarterbacks on great teams, uh, the same way we, we're going to, you know, as fans, we want good running backs to be on good teams and not just by virtue of rookie, you know, being a rookie back. Um, you know, if you Todd Gurley's got a nice contract, um, you don't, you know, you want those to be in the norm. And, and again, I think the best way to do that is to find a way, and this is, you know, outside the box, I guess, is, is they've got to find ways to sort of work outside the salary cap to pay these players um, so they can, so they can do that and, and keep the, you know, the talent pool very strong. It, and it's it, it's kind of a shame that the most, I, I guess I will say the most dangerous position in the game, is given not given the respect for that, and it, it, it does and it does suck. And but it, the rhymes the Rams are a great example here, is because you gave Gurley all this money, um, but meanwhile you had to hedge your bet with a guy we loved and uh, you know Darrell Henderson, because. You know the Rams are basically in a position right now where they gave him all this money, but they're not really sure exactly where. To, you know, nobody they can't give anybody an honest answer, and we've been going through this since January. Um, we don't know Todd Gurley wise. We don't know from the team. We have no idea exactly what Todd Gurley can bring the L.A. Rams in 2019. But you get to hedge your bet from the fact that you know right or, he's on the roster, but you get to hedge your bet whether you have a guy who can do a lot of things and is a really special talent, Darrell Henderson. So it's it is and it's weird and it's sane and yeah and and Pete I mean your love for Nick Chubb my love for Sony Michelle it's almost like you kind of like peek ahead and it's like well man what's going to be in store for these guys because I mean we're talking about this in three years where they're going to be viewed as like well all right well where are you headed next because you know you know you're not getting the check where you're at but meanwhile you know you may have given up you know shoulder injuries leg injuries head injuries and something's got to be done and it's it's it truly is it's that position it's the running back position because Look, it, if you're touching the ball 25 to 30 times a game with some you know that's it, not the norm anymore but there's still weeks where they do it you're taking what 50 to 60 freaking hits for Christ's sakes right so if you're looking at this from like a human standpoint there's a real possibility that Nick Chubb is in 4 years is going to have you know in excess of 5000 yards and you know the business side of this would say let him go the human part of this you know you're you're saying to yourself just by virtue of you know you you got to enjoy the shit out of nick chubb for all these years or whatever and there's the human said well we should pay him by virtue of these things he did and that's the problem is like running back you are the dude from you know if you played middle school peewee to high school to college you are the dude and then all of a sudden you get to the nfl and it's like your short shrift guy it's weird but that's the thing is like there has to be some way that you can pay these guys for what they've done without basically making it prohibitive for you to do that that's and that's ultimately the issue is like if if nick chubb is great for four years you know there's not a a person a a person with a you know, with a soul who's not saying, "Man, I, I'd love to see him get money." It's just a question of how you do that that doesn't hurt your team operating, and that's that's where this thing gets tough. And and you 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 find yourself in that place where you're arguing cold hard, you know, cap economics versus what this guy did for you and what should happen to him. And that's that's the thing that basically makes this a, a, a difficult conversation that, that again, I think the NFL ultimately has to find a way to address. And certainly they're not necessarily uh, likely to do that anytime soon, because look, they're not as much as maybe they should, given how much they make, they're not in the business of just handing out money. No, 
and there's no way around that. Um, folks, way to help uh, Pete Smith and I. Um, go to Browns Maven. Uh, sign up as a member. Um, Pete puts out at, at least uh, right now you're getting one video a day. You'll get a ton of stuff as the season goes on. Um, obviously, a fresh one coming out tomorrow. But go over to Browns Maven. Uh, set yourself up as a member. Uh, you know, contribute there on the articles. Uh, whatever podcasting app you use. Um, a, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Browns. Um, ratings, reviews, always crucial. Uh, bring new listeners to the show. Uh, you know, Still getting new listeners, You know, I, obviously in July here. It's great. It just shows the anticipation of this fandom as to what is coming towards 2019, and I thank everybody for that. But there are just a couple simple ways you can help Pete and I out in that respect. I am just going to toss this one out here before we get to something else. Um, our good buddy, Stephen Thomas, at Browns Mock Draft. I'm going to give you a little tweet of the day here. Um, obviously, Mike Vrabel decided to uh, say he'd uh, cut his own penis off to win a Super Bowl. And Stephen, obviously, the stand-up comedian, to get a Browns Super Bowl victory, I'd cut off Mike Vrabel's dick, too. So, good tweet, Steve. Good tweet. Um, I'm going to go now to the Cincy Inquirer. Um, today said, you know, the good argument can be made for Joe Mixon to be the best running back in the AFC North. Here is my issue with it because, again, this came up. And, like, part of this is because I can't stop myself, guys, and I can't. And, look, it, anybody who's loyal listeners to the show, Pete and I spoke very well of Joe Mixon last year. Uh, you know, he played very well both times. Browns played him. But here's the thing. And this is part of this whole running back thing we've been getting to tonight. To be the best running back on a shitty team, what is it, Pete? It doesn't mean freaking anything. That's great. The Bengals were the fourth best, were the fourth worst team in the AFC North last year. Who the hell cares that Joe Mixon was a really good running back? You need to be good everywhere else because you can find three running backs for less than $8 million to do the work for you. So I, one of the replies I saw to conversations about this... Uh, which I was is, challenged to a bar bet, for Christ's sakes. If my gut says he'll score more touchdowns last year. Well, Nick Chubb had the ball 70 less times, averaged more yards per carry, averaged more yards per reception, and scored more touchdowns. Right. Somebody, somebody's response to this, the uh, this, the tweets with this was uh, hilarious and awful. Which was he's not e- he's not even the best running back in the division who beats up women. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, but no, look, Joe it's Mixon true. is a, it's yes. true, but it's a ter- but it's a, it's one of those ooh yeah, that, like, like yeah, I said, yeah, hilar- hilarious and awful. Um, the look. If you're going off, look, Joe Mixon is a very talented player. Nick Chubb is better. He just is. Like, he, he is. And then you can make easily make the case that Kareem Hunt is better uh, based off what he's done in the past. He's easily he's better than everybody. I think Nick Chubb is ultimately more talented and has more to offer. But you can easily make the case that based on what he's done to this point, Kareem Hunt is the best running back in the division. Um, Joe Mixon can easily end up thir- third – in terms of teams, where basically the the Steelers and Browns both have better running backs than him, uh, that's how I think close this is. Uh, I, I think Joe, James Conner will sort of fall back a little bit and be probably a healthy third. But nevertheless, it's not but Mark, so. Mark Ingram is not going to get the run of the litter there, but Mark oh. Ingram is no slouch either. Yeah, but he's a distant fourth. Like he's a super distant fourth, at least to me. Um, but. It's like if you're sitting here going, you know, so and so is going to have the most yards in the AFC North. There are three real candidates there. Again, I think James Conner is going to end up third. But if you're going into this going, James Conner is going to lead the AFC North in yards. You can make that case and, and have reasonable ground to stand on. You can do the same thing with Chubb, and you can do the same thing with Mixon. There is no way you can make the case that Joe Mixon is like the the, the favorite or anything like that. It's not. A situation where there's just a, a case to make that, um, and if he is, the Bengals are three and thirteen again. They're, they're, they'll, they'll suck again. I mean, they're going to suck anyway. But whatever. well, I mean, they, they, look, they, they, you know, if they have a successful offense, there'll be yards for everybody. But you know, th- at some point, they're going to have to block somebody. Um, 
But, but look, at the same point, I can easily see Nick Chubb end up with 14, 1,500 total yards this year. I mean, he's he's clearly got the talent to do it. And, uh, you know, especially when they get to that second half of the year, he could be doing some nasty things in terms of numbers in there. Uh, look, but again, this is what this is not unlike to me. The people are trying to like say, well, the NBA is going to catch the NFL. <laughs> that, like, that was a fun day yesterday. It just feels like the same thing. It's basically saying, look, Joe Mixon is a really good running back. You can enjoy him for being a really good running back, but then you unnecessarily try to vault him, and it just feels like Icarus flying too close to the sun because it's really difficult to make that case on that te- on that level. It's just not there. Uh, I think he, he he's likely to have another very good season, uh, but there, there's no reason for me to think that Nick Chubb won't have a great season, short of injury, and this is applicable to everybody. There's no reason to me think that James Conner won't have a successful season. So it's difficult for me to hear you know that Joe, Joe, Joe Mixon, especially now with an even worse offensive line, uh, is going to suddenly be the best back in the AFC North, uh, like Corey, like Corey Dillon was when the bank, you know, the, his, when he yep. first got there, and the Bengals were awful. Um, I, 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 again, I'm with you in that I don't know what it means, but I, I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, and, and well, this was the best one I got today. Well, Joe Mixon only got 14 starts last year. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Nick Chubb literally sat there and watched. And here's Hugh Jackson's livelihood just going down the freaking drain where the best running back on their team was just watching. And no, 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 but let's keep running Carlos Hyde out there for 3.7 yards per carry. And I even remember the one post-game show, Pete, where it was like, well, Pete, even had a 21-yard run and 3.8 yards per carry to finish the day up. Um Nick special, and we talked about this at the end of the Week 17 Raven game where he lost that 1,000 yards. Nick Chubb, just the type of guy he is, with a with, with a little fuse lit under him where maybe he's now a little bit pissed off and aggravated because he's already a physical freak to begin with. <whistles> Sit on back, folks, because uh, and I, I, I think Nick understands that the – the opportunities this year may not be as bountiful as last year, but you better make sure he's going to understand he's going to take every opportunity of every single one of them. Pete, anything we missed? Um, well, I mean, it's NBA news, but it just happens. The Thunder traded Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul and a bunch of first-round picks and some swaps. That's interesting, but NFL-wise... I think it's interesting for Houston. I think if it's Oklahoma City, you might as well just, you know, call Seattle and ask if you want the franchise back. Because well, look, <laughs> Sam Presti has like 700 first-round picks now, uh, which is exactly what we want. Yeah, I mean, this is this is fascinating from that standpoint. If you're into the NBA draft, uh, you, you've got to think. But, but it's uh, also cute, though. I mean, Harden, Russell Westbrook... How many balls are they going to play with? In yeah, oh, I, that's, yeah, that's immediately. I don't. Well, know I want to take forty shots a game. Well, have, no, no, no. I mean, well, I, I want to have twenty assists a game. Well, oh my god, that. Could, and I'll tell you what. Right now, it's it's really funny though because the NBA has now turned into one conference, and some games will be played in the East. So, I mean, if you're like, you know, if you're looking at the United States map, if you're right at the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, don't even worry about the NBA. Well, look, I mean, it's the East is the Seventy Sixers and and uh, and the Bucks. Kyrie Irving, I guess you know. Yeah, well, I mean, because I mean, you know, they're all excited in Brooklyn, but I mean, it, it's crazy how many Nets fans are this excited. And I, I, I just keep wanting to telling myself, do you all understand? Kevin Durant isn't going to. Thirty-one million dollars. He's not even going to take a fucking shot for this team this year. It's. Oh, it's- it's fascinating. He 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 is, or, or I should say, the amount of fans that are going to have his jersey on before he does exactly uh, is crazy to me. But nevertheless, that's uh, yeah. It, 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 this this uh, means the Heat didn't get him, which means they're another team that isn't going anywhere. So yeah, this uh, the West is is everything, and and uh, for people who go to sleep, 
at a, at I'll a, be honest with you. The NBA will never even exist in my world. It will not exist in my world because uh, I'm not around for a 10-15 or a 10-30 tip. Yep, nope. Yep. Uh, no chance whatsoever. Out of the issue. Um, so, no, I don't think anything else uh, important has happened in the NFL today. Other, you know, other than... Uh, the one kid who was supposed to go in the supplemental draft, the wide receiver from West Virginia, went to Jacksonville. There's that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... Marcus again, Sims. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think the Browns are getting any of these guys, which is fine. That's... Yeah, um, I mean, look, I mean, you put this much work in and revamping the roster to this point. I mean, I, I don't think anything is breaking at this point. Uh, Browns, Maven, Pete, what's the latest? Uh, so today I did... Uh, I, I opted to go with uh, Dorian Baker, the kid from Kentucky. Uh, and tomorrow will be my uh, take on, on on the Duke Johnson situation. So that to look forward to. I got some more stuff coming. All right, so we have that. Um, uh, for everything Browns Maven Pete's work over there, make sure you're following at Browns Maven on Twitter. Uh, make sure you are following at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, BrownsMaven.com. Check out th- everything over there. Uh, the show's Twitter account at Lockdown Browns, all over, all over case. Make sure you're following over there. We will always follow back. Um, uh, we've gotten to the point where a lot of people are now sending direct messages over there. I'm cool with it. Send the DMs. Um, if you're not big on, you know, as far as you know, want to put stuff on Twitter, no problem whatsoever. Um, I got one good question there, but uh, the question he gave, it's going to require a little more homework, so we'll maybe get that in a tomorrow show or whatever, but always appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, again, guys, anything you need, you don't want to put it on Twitter, drop a DM over to the Lockdown Browns account. Me, personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, throw a follow over there. Um, it's Look, guys, uh, this is what's going to happen when, you know, A, number one, the team has a lot of promise. A, number one, the team has a lot of talented players. Uh, stories can pop up at any time. And, look, I mean, we've already, you know, we thought the Duke Johnson situation was put to bed, and now we're here we are this week where there's already, bang, two more Duke Johnson talking points about what's going on, and that's what happened. I mean, there's, you know, we didn't have these type of stories a year ago because it was more of let's just get to camp and, you know, hopefully this team is finally right. Hopefully there's something. Hopefully there's a promise. Now there's a ton of promise ton of talented players, and this is what happens with these type of situations. So appreciate you guys all, you know, for taking the ride along here. Um, thanks to Blue Chew, obviously, for the sponsorship of the show. As always, Hotels.com, as always as well. Thanks. Um, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Yeah, done, did that. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>